I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hi, welcome to the Kindness Podcast. In this episode, you are really in for a treat. My guest today is international English cricketer Liam Plunkett. We talk about all things anxiety, coaching, success and failure. You're in for a good one. My name is Tim Bosworth and this is The Kindness Podcast. Well, hi, welcome to The Kindness Podcast. My name is Tim Bosworth. Uh, I'm really excited about this one, to be fair. Uh, my next guest is an international English cricketer. Um, I first met Liam, Liam Plunkett, for those of you who don't know who he is. Um, and when I first met Liam, what, what struck me, um, my first impression is he's very tall, <laughs> very sort of Supan-esque, he's got that kind of look about him. But what, what struck me about him when he came into my restaurant was that it's just personable. Someone who would take the time to sit down and talk to you and, and listen to you. And I think what's interesting, particularly with people who are in the celebrity space or in the spotlight, particularly as an international sports player, being able to take the time to talk to, quote-unquote, normal people is a character, I feel, and a trait that is very limited in sport. Liam, I think you're genuine. I think um, you being able to do this for me today, considering your, your stature is a credit to you. So I, I welcome you to the show, Liam. Thank you for coming on. No, no problem, mate. I'm uh, just a boy from Middlesbrough. So, uh, no, an absolute pleasure. As I said, I've known you for a few years now. That's right, yeah. Uh, love coming down and having a coffee and some breakfast here. Yeah, and it's, and it's you say you're just a, a boy from Middlesbrough. And, and again, some people might not be into cricket, might not be into sport. I wouldn't think, and tell me, is, is Middlesbrough a sort of a, a town or a city, city, I should say, a city that is known for cricket? Not really. It's it's in between, right? You've got Durham and Yorkshire, yeah, uh, and what Cleveland County. Yeah, me, me growing up was uh, Cleveland County, so I played junior cricket there. Right. And if you were successful playing county cricket, you probably 
get approached by Yorkshire or Durham to join their schools or academy. Right. Yeah. Uh, so not really. They had Acton Park, which was in Middlesbrough, right. which Yorkshire used as a second ground. Okay. Or a third ground or whatever. But they'd often come once a year and you'd see the stars come like Darren Golf and Michael Vaughan and they would play there. Oh, is he from the northeast? No, but Yorkshire would come and play oh, there. Right. So they're Yorkshire versus Essex yeah, and that would yeah, be yeah. at Ackland Park. Right. So I guess fortunate I got to watch a couple of games. Uh, sort of wet my appetite a little bit. So were you always, you know, you're a tall guy, you're a strong guy, were you kind of classic kind of rugby and sport football or did you grow into it? What got you into cricket? My dad was a good cricketer. He uh, played right. for Mask by the Sea, which Where's is, uh, so it's on, it's, on, it's on the course, hence the name Mask by the Sea, but it's, I think it's just near Redcar, uh, where James Arthur's from. <laughs> right, okay. So Shout that, out to James Arthur. Yeah, yeah, I don't know the block. I don't really listen to his music either, but yeah. uh, a very successful guy from that part of the world. Right, so it's okay. always nice to see people do from that part of the world. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's, he, he played cricket there. Uh, my granddad played. He was uh, a good amateur cricketer. Right, okay. Uh, maybe could have went pro, but... Really? He was successful. Very tall, six foot six, my dad was. Um, right. So yeah, he, he jeans then. Yeah. Right. Okay. Uh, I think he's a little bit smaller now as right. he's got older. But, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I'm now the uh, a giant in the family, I guess. But so obviously, you see, your granddad did it. Your dad did it. And it's clearly there's, there's something there. Did you see early doors? Did you watch them and have a memory of them playing when you were younger? Yeah, I, I guess like a lot of uh, kids growing up in the family plays sport your mum or your dad you go and watch the game and yeah. you play alongside uh-huh. there was practice facilities and ever since I could pick up a tennis ball and a bat I would always play while my dad played the, at the match uh, and I guess because you're around cricket you develop quickly and you end up playing with the older kids that are there so right. when you're five six you're yeah. probably playing with ten year olds yeah. so you do develop quickly okay I think I played my first adult game when I was eight I went to watch a game and there was one short, someone didn't turn up, so I played the adult game when I was eight. Were you tall as a kid? Nah, I was, uh, I played football a little bit, kickboxed a little bit, just for the fitness side. Yeah. Uh, But I was more, like when I first joined, I was a small and I was mainly a batsman. Oh, Uh, I got the nickname Pudsy because I think I had like fluffy hair and I was a little bit chubby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, a little bit chubby, fuzzy hair and I got the nickname Pudsy. Right, okay. And it, it went quickly actually, I was... I signed for Durham when I was about 15 on the academy as a batsman who batted number three and I bowled. I, I was a decent bowler, but I was a slow bowler. Uh, and then one winter I came back and I was grew and I was tall and I started bowling fast. I remember as a kid, now, my, my dad was a, a white Englishman and my mum was from uh, Trinidad and Tobago, Caribbean island, um, sort of twin island. But my memories of cricket back in the day were from the Caribbean side, it was like Viv Richards and all the kind of West Indian teams. And these guys were like massive guys. Um, and then on the English side, it was like Ian Botham. And they were, you know, excuse me for saying this, but they were like the, the Beckhams of the time. You know, Botham yeah. was like beefy. Was that his name? Beefy. Was like, was, yeah, was like, beefy. Yeah, and he was kind of like the poster boy of English cricket. And at the time, cricket was... Um, I won't say quite sexy, but it was very much it was like the sport to play. And I remember that as a memory, and particularly the, um, the steel drums that came with the um, calypso music. That's the one, yeah, yeah. The calypso music, and um, that's kind of the memory I have of, of cricket. And, and I wonder, and I, I don't know if it is so much because I've got pals from um, sort of the northeast. And going back to what you're saying about how it wasn't so much a, a cricketing area, but seemingly there's, there's an ingrained element of I'm trying to reference sport and, and, and culture because Newcastle's similar. You talk to a Geordie and they're all they're mad for sport. Yeah. Was that the same around your way growing up? 
Me, it was uh, football, Middlesbrough football team, and I guess rugby wasn't that big because it was a small county. Yeah. As I said, if you're rugby, if you were successful, you'd go to Newcastle or you'd go to uh, Leeds, I guess. Got it. Two. But I guess Middlesbrough, Sunderland, Newcastle, uh-huh. it was football mad. So growing up, it was I was one of the few in my school to play cricket. Right, okay. It was, yeah, so it wasn't a big thing. It was more like, oh, he's bit nerdy he plays cricket pretty much I guess that's how it was at my school so what years what sort of years and decades is that then is that 80s no I was born 85 85 right okay. yeah so I'm guessing uh, yeah when I was late uh, what just before 2000s I guess maybe 1995 1996 right. maybe so you've been, you've been playing a while yeah I mean I signed pro when I was I think 17 or 18 wow so I did one year at uh, college uh, I was doing like a sports science degree, which pretty much everyone went into who didn't do that well at skill. Right. I, mean, I did all right. I yeah, got, yeah. I know, five Bs, five Cs or something, but... Uh, Better than I did. You got through. I think anyone who likes sport and not sure what direction you were going, I was at Durham Academy at the time and went into Teesside Tertiary to do that sports science. And then an opportunity came along to go with England in the 19s. I remember speaking to, to the teachers about, is it all right if I go across to Australia, do this, and then come back and finish? What age are you at this point? 18. Wow. So you almost be like, yeah, I'm going. Yeah, I was, but I wanted to come back and finish. But it, it Did was, you really? Yeah, I was like, well, why not come back and finish this? Because I enjoyed it. It right. wasn't... Uh, and when I came back, they said, oh, no, it's too late. So they pretty much shit on me a little bit. <laughs> but uh, So what did you want to do? So if, you, if that didn't work out, so what would you have wanted to, to have done? I honestly don't know. Uh... For me, it was one direction. I was going all the way playing cricket. I was just doing that. I felt like that's what everyone else did. Yeah. And uh, it wasn't. I was playing Durham Academy. I wasn't assigned pro at that point. Right. So I couldn't rely on. I don't know how much money you got at that time, but I was fortunate to get paid playing cricket. Also working in the gym part time a little bit. Oh, what, a PT. Not at that point. I was just sort of helping out. I guess sort of a PT. Oh right. Uh, I think I did some work experience from college at this gym, and they said, "Oh, do you want to stay on and do some work?" Uh, so that, that was funny I enjoyed the fitness side of stuff so did you go to Australia then? went to Australia yeah it was amazing God, too when man, I was, what was that like? yeah was I, I, 18? yeah I think I may have been 17 I, I was playing for England in the 19s a year or two early I remember that uh, but yeah it was amazing obviously being on that long haul flight yeah. I remember playing on uh, I think it was Caf, Cafe Pacific Airline and I remember playing on the old Super Mario for 20 hours on the plane had you, um, <laughs> had you flown before? Yeah, as a kid, we went on holidays right, to, okay. to Mallorca and yes. stuff like that, yeah. but not, not when you sit long haul. Not right. when you have to go 10 hours and then another 14 hours. And So for you, and you represented, let's say, the family, was it kind of, boy, done good? He's, you know, he's, he, he's going to make it for us. Did you feel like, I'm doing this for the Plunkets? Not really. I think it was just take it in your stride. Right, It okay. was like, all right, there's an opportunity. My dad, my dad was obviously proud as punch, my mum proud as punch, yeah. but it was like... It would show you at certain times a proud, but it was just like, all right, it's a great opportunity, you should do it. Right, okay. And I think he would, sh- yeah, he was always great and he encouraged me and stuff, mum and dad. Uh-huh. But yeah, but it wasn't like, oh, this is the final, you've made, you've done well. Oh, got it. It's, it's just like, well, all right, we'll go and play cricket and see how this goes. Right, interesting. Yeah, but you know that he's he's watching every game or listening to the, he, he would have, if it wasn't televised, he would, he would have got up at 12 and listened till 8 a.m. in the morning in bed. And would you be conscious of that? Particularly when you touched on your granddad, say, playing and your dad playing. And often in sport, particularly sports people who are very successful, there is a, an overriding arc of the matriarch or the kind of father figure that mm-hmm. either hasn't made it, so they 
pretty much batter the kids, not literally, but the, to get them to do it and, and live through them. Did you ever get that sense of pressure? No, never. Okay. No, never. I think if I said to my dad, oh, I don't want to play anymore, and my mum, they'd be like, all right, Fair enough. whatever, as long as you're happy. And yeah. I guess it relates into this kindness podcast. That, that was them down to a T. Interesting. They would do anything they could for me. They would take me to cricket if I didn't want to go to cricket, which I always did. They would never put pressure on. My dad was just happy that I enjoyed going to watch him and then I was good at a sport. But to be honest, I don't think I've ever asked him and said to him, did you ever thought I was going to become a professional? Uh -huh. How did you see it playing out? Because right. My family sort of rules us. If everyone's happy and healthy, we're all good. That's just the way we nice. are. Nice. Yeah. yeah. How old are you, how old are you your folks now? In the 60s. Like still young then. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The, to be honest with you, like... In terms of role models, and I said this when I was doing interviews before, and they're, they're my role models, to be honest, because they've been through issues themselves. My mum's had cancer three times. Right. My dad's had liver transplant, kidney transplant. Wow. He had cancer himself. Wow. And they never, like, complain at all. Like, you never hear them complain. So they would obviously hide stuff, and if I was away playing cricket, they would just they wouldn't tell me anything. They would just get your head down and, and do it. So amazing people, very fortunate. That is really interesting and it, it does touch on the, the kindness piece because a lot of people, I think, can view how people view the world through their experiences. So if people have gone through loads of shit or have gone through loads of hardship, some people crack and break or on the other flip side, some people want to tell the whole world yep. about their pain. And clearly your folks are just kind of like, okay, let's just get on with it. It's, it's tough. Let's just get on with it. And um, I think it's, it's, what's, um, what's interesting is that when I look at my folks and, um, you know, growing up myself, similarly, I've got children now. I look to my children and think, I wonder what they see and view the world like. Mm. And I try and act in a way that my parents did to me. So don't worry, you can do it. You touched on being ha be happy. That's, that's mega. Yeah, that's a credit to them. Wow. And the, and the encouragement to do it. Yeah. And it's never any fear of failure. I don't want to pull out loads of cliche, uh, cliches and stuff like that, but right? it was, yeah. we'll give it a go. Yeah. Like, if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out, but you'll learn from what you've just failed at. Uh -huh. Or if you haven't, you'll, you'll crack on. I think in my career, I've probably learned a lot more from failing and making mistakes outside the, of, of the stadium. And uh -huh. uh, as grown as a person, you know, you, you learn a lot from them mistakes. So as a sportsman, particularly a sportsman who is in the public eye, you're saying you've grown from failures and you continue to develop from failures. How do you handle that? Particularly in the public eye, if you, if you mess up yeah. and you think, oh, I didn't do that thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where have you got that kind of resolute, it might be your family, but where have you got that resolute kind of, don't worry, I'll go again? I think, as you've just said, a lot of it comes from my, uh, my family. But uh -huh. uh, early on when I first started and you make mistakes there wasn't too much social media kicking around right, okay. obviously Facebook and stuff but yeah. I made a couple of big mistakes when Twitter came around and that was splattered everywhere uh, and I, it is what it is right you're in the playing public, or just being out, out and about doing something out and about right, uh, right. It, it's, in, it's in the public eye as well obviously uh, when I was really young yeah. uh, doing that kind of stuff and don't need to go into it people can look up online like, yeah. uh, it was like a drink driving incident when yeah. I was younger and stuff like that and I don't know. You, you make mistakes. Yes. Uh, and obviously from that, but then you're labeled like a, a bad person. And which, which is, I guess at the point people are angry because it is looking back at it. It's a terrible thing to do. Yes. And I would never, ever do it. You know, again, mm. like you learn from your mistakes. Sure. So, uh, but yeah, being in the public eye, I remember we went to Australia after that happened and I was in that limelight of the 
Australia, England, Coliseum, and then, I don't know, it's the people who generally say stuff online who abuse the crap out of you pretty much are the people who are sat on the bed playing PlayStation or eating Domino's pizza and stuff. So it's, I feel like you need to be in a negative mind space to then write something online to abuse something else. Agreed. So as I've got older and played a lot more and been in the public eye and probably wisened up a little bit, uh-huh. you just ignore it. It's some of it like... But how do you do that? How do you do that? You know, if you're in a good mind, right? if you're in a good space and you're like at home or you're in a glass of wine and like you can just laugh it off, some of it's funny. Like, I'm like, oh, that's pretty funny, but I would never take it serious now. And do you laugh it off because you know the truth? Yeah, a lot right. of the time. Okay. And, it's, it's like when people like I don't know comedians or go on stage and you vision the crowd naked to make it easier or whatever it. a bit like that it's like you putting yourself like that kind of makes sense frame uh, but but it is tough as a youngster I went through a period I played for England uh, and then hit a block where I struggled big time I struggled with my action struggled to, to perform uh-huh. and, and everything was easy up to that point not easy but it was like a natural thing Got I trained it. hard worked hard but then I hit a point where some days I'll go to bed dreaming I'm, I'm going to wake up and make a fool out of myself. I can't bowl the ball straight. It's going to be on live TV. Really? And then that was when I was in the line, like playing for England and people watching it, kids and people like cricket and watching him like he must know exactly what he's doing. He's turning up. And right. then in your mind, you're going to bed thinking I'm going to embarrass myself, embarrass myself tomorrow. And you felt that? hundred percent. Wow. And it was a full circle actually, because when I first played, I was excited to be there. You're playing with your role models. And uh, I just watched The Ashes, as I said to you before, I watched The Ashes like everyone else, and then I was on a flight with them a month later. So you're with your idols, and you're just happy to take part. That was my mindset. Right. Maybe I'm happy to take part. This is amazing. And it lasted for a few years. But I think when it came back around, when I rejoined England seven years later, it was like, I can win a game. Got it. I went to bed. The first time I got picked for England after seven years was the best I'd slept in a very, very long time. Wow. Crazy, isn't it? So is it that... You, you were at peace in a yeah. sense you, you kind of like okay I, I, I can I know I can do this yeah I the period that seven years I don't think I watched England at all like I maybe watched clips and like I want them to do well but I guess I was jealous a little bit because I wasn't there uh-huh. I always want them to do well like even now after the World Cup and I, I haven't played since I want guys to do well as, mm. I want you to go out and perform mm. I want you to get man of the match as a young baller coming up but at that point, I was like, I can't watch it. Like, um, I let myself down. I should be there. It more, it, maybe it's the fact that I let myself down and I felt I should have been there. And do you think that you had the skills to be there then? Or did those seven years make you go, right, come on, Liam, focus. Let's, let's get on it. Let's get focused. Let's retrain or whatever you need to do to make you better. I think I had them. I just need to unlock it right. and find a way of doing it. Okay. Uh, and how did you unlock it? I think over time I was around good people. Okay. Uh, at that time I was successful with Durham. I mean, we won three trophies. It wasn't like I just went out of the game completely. Uh-huh. We won three trophies in that time. Very successful franchise, I guess you can call it. Uh-huh. Very successful, but I think my performance was I was really good and bad. I was, I was bad, really good. There was never in between. Okay. The best cricketers in the world are always like, you're good and then you're okay, you're okay, you're good, you're okay. You might have the odd bad day, but Got you're it, always yeah. there, thereabouts. For someone who's good, really bad, like really bad, like it's not that consistent. It, it's quite a luxury to have in a team, to, to pay someone or to pick someone in a team. Oh, to have that okay player? Uh-huh. So you're saying you're an okay player? No, I was good some days. Got it. And then some other days I would turn up and struggle. Right. And you can only have so many then in, Got in, it. A, in a team. Like, yeah. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, it's like characters, right? It, like when you're looking after a team or coaching a team, 
it's known what's gone on with England. Like Ken Pete sounds a legend, and it was come across in the press that he's hard to deal with. But can you have that in a team because he's so special, mm. and you manage and you manage it? So it, it is. Uh, yeah, I mean, at that point when I did get dropped, I wasn't good enough. I was just more disappointed in myself. Cause Got it. And then, but you must know. I think a lot of successful people must know what they're good at and think knowing that they're good at something almost drives them on but the perception from other people is their own marker if you're good at sport Mm -hmm. as you said it comes easy to you fine but you're almost competing against yourself it seems from what you're saying that you knew you should be doing better Mm. yeah absolutely and I think you speak to a lot of professional sportsmen or in life in general if you sorry life in general if you're battling against yourself before you turn up for work you've lost the battle anyway yeah, if I'm right. running into to ball at someone and I'm thinking about this arm this foot where's this ball going to go as a batsman you should be laughing because I've already lost the battle Interesting. some days it'd work and you just bolt like a magical ball and get like a superstar out but it's like can you do that again can you be consistent to do that again so it is it, it's a battle between yourself and you got to a point where again I'm not big on the cricket but you got to a point where you could just go auto just do it and do it and do it and do it I think a lot of things in that I came to a point where I was more consistent uh, if things didn't go well I know the day after they could I didn't put myself under too much pressure I just learned to love the game again mm-hmm. it was when I moved to Yorkshire some good people some good coaches uh-huh. yeah, I just love the game some good friends I rekindled with uh, one of my best mates who played England 19s with Andrew Hodd he'd signed for Yorkshire the year before a guy called Jack Brooks signed for Yorkshire, who I moved in with. Became, he came my best man at our wedding. Yeah. So that group of people, and it was enjoyment, and got, got back to, to winning ways. And I then projected and played for England again and did better than the first time. Mm-hmm. And I think you get a bit older and smarter yeah. and you're more relaxed about yourself. Yeah, yeah. You know yourself a little yeah, bit totally. better. And that's interesting you say that, because that, that does lead us on to that, kind of, that first question. Because you had a nice core network of people around you, seemingly. And that you know, research has shown that... you. Know, the network that you associate yourself with is a direct projection towards who you are or who you might become. And, and that kind of first question that we ask our guests along those lines of that kind of that peer group, the friends that are kind to you or support you. Um, and, and I'll ask you this, Liam, from your childhood with your granddad and your dad supporting you, your parents supporting you, your key friends supporting you. Obviously, there's a kindness element there, right? Yeah. If I was to flip that on the other side, you know, they were there to support you. What's your view on kindness? And obviously, that's one of the basis of the question. But I mean, what's your view on kindness? We all have a different view on it. But what's your view on kindness? What does it mean to you? I guess I'm trying to be relaxed and talk about it, but I actually wrote a note, mm. a note down on mm. it. To, to, so I didn't like forget a little bit. It wasn't a big thing. It just, mm. I think kindness, it means a lot of things. It's like when you love someone, you show them in different ways. You can say, you could write a love letter, you could send a text and all that stuff. So for kindness to me, it's uh, saying hello to someone, smiling at someone, opening the door for someone, uh, saying you please and thank yous, mm. uh, doing something for someone else to make the day better, go out of your way to do something special for someone and not ask for anything in return. So that, that, that for me is, as I said, it's a lot of things. Yeah. I, I feel like I could say what kindness Well, and do you think that people, and it's, it's a great list and people should sort of, almost just take note of that. And, and this is the basis of the show. It's for me to try and find out, is there a pattern to kindness? Is it giving you time, saying please, saying thank you, which I think everyone should, most definitely. I don't think people do. And particularly in the world that we live in now. 
I don't think people do. And I'd like to get your, your thoughts on why you think people perhaps aren't kind, particularly in sport, obviously with what's going on in the world, you know, social media is ever present. You talked about when you first started out, it wasn't so mainstream, but why, why do you think sort of uh, kindness is, is not the kind of the norm? In sport, I think sometimes kindness is shown weakness, isn't it? Right. Uh, and then you, you watch some stuff on like the MA fighters and boxers, some of the kindest people you ever meet. Right, okay. Because they're probably so happy, like, I know I'm, what, I'm one of the best in the world. Like, I can be kind, it doesn't make me weak. Mm. But as, growing up, I, I guess, youngster growing up in sport, I think you would get trapped mean a little mm. bit. And it was only further on in life you realised by probably who were insecure mm. about their positions at the club mm-hmm. and probably worried about getting dropped and they didn't want a youngster coming up and being better than them. Got it. But also I feel like now with, I don't know, people just looking down and I'm the same, I do the same as you're looking at your phone, you're too busy to do it. There's so much going on in the world and right. you're, you're just walking around. Like sometimes you might forget to say, oh, thank you very much. Open the door for someone or just, just smile at someone. It could be like... Yeah an old lady down the road or like a kid or something but and also it's a bit without sounding insane just like obviously if you see like a little kid that's cute and you smile at it sometimes you feel weird because you don't like the people looking at you like yeah. well it's yeah. a cute kid at the end of the day yes. I'm just trying to be nice and yes I think with so where did that pressure come from obviously it's a social pressure but do you think that we live in a world now where there is a, a pressure to perform to be on all the time it feels like that yeah I mean I can only from my experience playing sport you're constantly in the limelight a little bit. Not so much now, but with England and uh-huh. stuff, and you put foot wrong and you messed up. So you're conscious of that when you're out and about? Not too, not too much. I mean, cricket's not Hollywood, right? So it's not uh, playing for England football. I guess when you had the World Cup and stuff, it was. That uh-huh. was pretty big for this country, which was nice. But generally, people were just nice to you. It wasn't too much like negative stuff. Uh, and do you think that's to do with the, 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 the period in which you played and the social media that wasn't around or do you think that it's just cricket as a, as a sport uh, the last few years I played for England it was amazing because it was a successful team and mm. you're doing well I guess it's the first time in a long time we were so successful for a period of time England is successful but in chunks before we had four years where we went to number one in the world right. and it, it was nice people were turning up expecting you to win got it but I guess it's a tricky question isn't it about why are people obviously there's so many nice people in the world and stuff like that but it maybe is because everyone's so busy and you feel like your you spare time you're not your head's not up looking around you're, you're in your phone so do you think people are born kind or do you think they learn kindness I think a bit of both okay I, yeah I guess the way you brought up as well a little bit I guess it's people from all walks of backgrounds uh, yeah the way you brought up and stuff it doesn't mean I guess you can be kind and sometimes you just don't show it because the way you've been brought up, it doesn't sort of project that. Right, okay. You, you could be, uh, in your head, you could think, oh, like, that's really nice, like, I'm really grateful for that, but you just haven't uh, projected it. So, you mean projected and, and said that thank you? Okay. So, um, if you're brought up in an environment that isn't kind, will you then grow up to be unkind? Or, I think you touched on you said it, a bit of both or do you believe that it's your environment and you can develop and change and it's everything else around you I think of course you can change mm. yeah I think you can change there's obviously you, you got genetics and stuff but you can sort of rewire them a little bit to a certain extent if you've got you grew up and you've got some great friends and you go to school and 
you're around certain people and that's what they're like they're kind and you sort of rub off with them it's a bit like positive energy or yeah. if you go to cricket and you've got a guy who's so hard working in the room it's infectious you're like I want to be like that so I wasn't a great trainer my family wasn't the most athletic this is not my family was I'm just saying sure. in general yes, yeah. but you know, like, I want to be like that got then it. you turn yourself into that mm-hmm. there's, there's, there's obviously stuff way above my head when it comes to the genetics and all that kind of stuff but yeah. I feel like certain stuff you can but there's certain people who maybe just oblivious to it and as I said, they probably think, oh, this is really nice. I really appreciate that, but just didn't see it. Yeah, totally. I think, um, and more so now in the world we live in where we're always on, there's, there's data to prove X, Y, and Z, that, that kindness can be measured. And there's, there's, there's definitely scientific evidence you can measure kindness in terms of performance or you can measure kindness in terms of how attractive it makes you feel. I'm still in this kind of position of trying to get an understanding of if you walk down the street and you see someone, right, I was in, um, in town today and I, I walked past an individual who was homeless and I walked past, and, but after I walked past, I thought, oh, God, Tim, should I have stopped? Uh-huh. I carried on, but the thought was in my mind and I wonder whether or not if I'd have stopped, would that have made me feel any better to have stopped in general or me stopping would that have just made me feel good? So the question I ask is, do you think people do kind things so they, well, two parts, one makes them feel good, or do you think people do kind things because they just want to be kind? I think a bit of both. Okay. Especially with the social media and stuff. And this is, as I said, this is just me chatting to someone from Middlesbrough. Yeah. It's like, I'm not an expert on it, but especially with, go back to the social media, like, why would you video yourself giving something to a homeless person? Mm. Do you know what I mean? Like, why yeah. are you doing that? That's yeah. to make you feel better. That has mm. nothing to do with it. Mm. All the people that go around in the world who don't want nothing from it, and as I said, what do I feel kindness is? Go around and I'll give someone a sandwich like a homeless person or do something different, and they don't care if anyone knows about what they've done. Right. Uh, it's a bit like, uh, what's that, Keanu Reeves and stuff. He does so much of that stuff, doesn't he? He only gets caught because people know who he is, but... He, he'll make himself like I don't think he got into uh, someone was speaking to me yesterday uh, the physio was speaking to me yesterday I don't think he got into his premier because of the way of his dress he was just like I'm fairly chilled his own premier something like that <laughs> brilliant and, uh, he's so down to earth isn't he so it's I, uh, I, I guess it's because it's like well the video in it but they're still also doing something nice for that person right so you don't want to say well don't do that mm. because I, well actually they're still giving someone else some food or they're giving someone some money so it, it comes across as being disingenuous though do you not think yeah it does and you're like well why do you video it but mm. at the end of the day like, at least they're getting money or food oh so the homeless person you're saying is like mm, I don't care I'm getting food yeah. and, it, and it's like it's not a great look is it mm. for you to video it but mm. whatever if you want to video it that's on you but they're still getting looked after so it's like so do you find that when you're out and about do you think I'm Liam Plunkett Will people recognise me, or are you just I'm Liam? I don't. I don't think no one gives a shit, mate. Like, right. <laughs> between like, unless you like cricket, yeah, which yeah, is yeah. fine. Right. Like, and I guess it depends when where it is. After the World Cup, you get recognised a bit more. You can walk around for a year and a half, and no one no one cares. Yeah. You can be in the middle of America, where obviously I spend a lot of time, and someone will pop them and say, "Oh, you play cricket." So it's. Yeah, I don't think anyone's really bothered, mate. It's it's nice to be proud of what you've done and you've won something like that, but I, I think. I don't know. It's quite, I don't know. You need to take that away from you, especially if you take, start a new job. You've got to leave your baggage at the door. It's mm. good, good baggage, but mm. you've got to leave that behind you. Like, 
as I said, no one cares. You're coming here, no one really cares about. They've got their own problems. There's so much in the world going on that people have got their own problems and own jobs to worry about. Totally. Yeah, I think when you look at it now, it's like, I'm just glad that we did something and the country got behind it. Yeah. And they got to witness something amazing. And you, and you, you mentioned um, before that you move onto the States. Do people know two parts? Do they know about cricket? Are they, are they into it over there? And do they know you? Or is that the part of the reason for going as well? A bit of both. Okay. Um, a lot of uh, sport ex- expats or a lot of Indian, Pakistanis, uh, a lot of, I, think, I think Australian, South African, people from West Indies, a lot of them have moved over there. Right, okay. Whether it's they've went over there uh, to study and stayed on. Uh, but I think the general people who are like the American sports fans who grew up American purists in terms of sports side... I think they'll, a lot of them don't know at all. And in America, it's that kind of standard, like, baseball, American football, yeah, those, yeah. Those, those core sports. Mm-hmm. And it, didn't it happen with, um, well, obviously in America, they call it soccer over there. Yeah. But once they get hold of something, and there's a you know, load of money yeah. put into something, then they'll get behind it. I hope so, mate. And right. that's, there's been money invested into it. Right. Uh, so I'm going there pretty much. They did a minor, like, similar to baseball, minor league, major leagues. Uh-huh. So this year just gone, they did the minor leagues, which was pretty successful. Uh, next next year, you've got the minor leagues and the major leagues fits on the back. Got it. So if they do in terms of, it's a short format game, so mm-hmm. they're not going to take the five days out there because people fall asleep through it, especially coming from the American sports. If you show a T20 game, which is like three hours long, got it. if you show that an environment where there's a lot of runs scored, the ball uh-huh. goes into the stands, and I think that will grow the crowd. Right, definitely. And they do it right with like the fireworks and... Mm. I know whatever's going on, the uh, acrobats and all that flying stuff outside. Doesn't that turn into, I'm sorry to jump in there, doesn't that turn into, well, I suppose it is, it's, it's entertainment, isn't it? Yeah, well, that's what you want. Right. The best people do it. And right. You got, we had the 100 this year, new competition, which was successful. Mm. But if you look at the IPL and you look at the Big Bash where they play at huge stadiums, it's just done really well. Right. And okay. that attracts people. Yeah, if something, yeah. some, something's got glitter on it, then uh, <laughs> they're drawn to it. <laughs> But <laughs> you're right, to be fair. And I'm, I'm not into cricket, but I imagine like, any sport, like you say, I think I do it in rugby. It's rugby sevens, isn't it? It's just something that is quick, it's sharp, it's, it, it's engaging, it gets the crowd going. So you're, you're excited about you excited about getting over? Yeah, I am. Are you? Uh, it's a new role. Obviously, uh-huh. I'm going mainly as a player. I'm, first, I'm going on a holiday first. Right. Uh, then obviously I need to get my visa sorted. So I'm yeah. going on a holiday for a month and then coming back, trying to get my visa sorted, all that good yeah. stuff. Uh, but yeah, yeah, it's the role of maybe being in front of a laptop a bit more than I'm used to be in terms of planning and prepping. Oh, right. Okay. So you're, you're crossing the line on waste, right? A bit of both. Right. I'm, I'm going to play for three years, but alongside that, I'm going to coach and play, uh, run some strength and conditioning side of stuff, which okay. is, I managed to get some of them badges along the way. Uh-huh. So sometimes it's nice to be able to link in the strength and conditioning with cricketers and bowlers because that's my expertise, I guess, yeah. as a player. Not as, I'm not an expert coach and you'll always strive to be that. Mm-hmm. But as a player, I've played a long period of time. I feel like like going to uni and doing a job, I feel like you've got your doctors in cricket, right? That's uh, what I've sort of gained over the last time many years. So you want to help people, but alongside that, uh, I want to play and be competitive. So it seems to me, and just listening to you talk, the impression I get... And this might not be from an outward pers- uh, from an outward perspective. You're very articulate, um, and I don't the know. First time someone said that, I appreciate that. Oh, well, <laughs> I, you, you've been interviewed for countless of times, and no doubt asked about cricket in general. But as I'm hearing you, you, you very much you know the sport. 
you, you're very down to earth. And I think that's probably why, why we got on initially. You're, you're, I think, very humble. Because if you talk to someone who knows cricket, they've heard of you. But for the listeners who haven't heard of you, I, I definitely get a sense that, you know, you're very articulate, you know what you're talking about. There's, there's a clear structure and focus about where you want to go in terms of your playing career and then perhaps your, your training and managerial career, etc. This layering I'm interested in, is this bit always been there or have you learned to think to, um, what's, what I'm trying to say, have you learned to almost plan and structure what, what the next sort of goal is or um, challenges? No, I think in terms of cricket, you have so much time on your hands and I probably only the last few years that I've took advantage of that. You get told growing up by ex-players, listen, you probably should do some other stuff, you should maybe do some courses and uh, look into get online uni and stuff like that. But you just, your plan's there, you have to be here at this time, you've got to wear this, you've got to be on this bus, this plane. And I guess for a period of time, that's what you did. Got it. Uh, it's only, like I said, the back end where I sort of structured, well, what can I do in this lockdown? What can I do in this time? But in terms of planning and stuff, it's something I need to get better at. Right, okay. Uh, stuff like this, I don't right. mind to doing. Right. Uh, I enjoy doing this because you're talking and about your past experiences, what's going forward, a different mm. uh, subject like the, the kindness podcast. Yes. This kind of stuff, I feel like it's been a part of me. Then the next stage, which my, my wife's the master at, is the planning and getting things together. And probably like yourself in terms of running this place, you've got to be you know exactly what's going on. That's something I need to get better at. But that, that excites me just as much as the right. playing and coaching because it's completely different to me. But to give yourself credit, I think you've probably got those skills there anyway, just listening to you. Mm-hmm. Because it, it seems very formulaic in terms of what needs to be done. There's a guy called um, Simon Sinek. Uh, and he wrote a book called um, Start With A Why. It's all about how you might know... Oh, sorry, you, you might not know how to do that thing. Mm-hmm but you know why you need to do that thing. And it seemingly, just from talking to you, you know that, okay, going to the States now, get the coaches, you know why you want to do that, that next, you know, it's Liam phase two yeah. or life chapter two. You know, you, you've got an idea of where that place is going to be. You don't know how you're going to get there, but you're taking the steps, it seems. Mm-hmm. So have you been to America before? In terms of? Just um, cricket and just holidays? No, obviously, Amelia being there. Oh, right, okay. Right. Yeah, obviously, sure. Uh, that have been back and forth for 15 years. Oh, right, so yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. Right, I know. okay. So that, for me, the transition, I think I always wanted to be, England will always be home to me, Middlesbrough will always be home to me, uh, but that, I've always thought I'd end up in America. I just really? never knew. Yeah, because obviously... Department. Yeah, yeah my, my wife's from there, and right. she's happy there, and I am. Like, I love where we, we stay in America, Westchester. Uh, got some good friends there and stuff like that. But what's it like? A bit like this. Is it like a smaller version of Harrogate? There's uh-huh. a uni on one side of it, but it's very like little coffee shops and little mm. microbreweries and real nice restaurants. Nice. Uh, it's kind of cool, yeah. Obviously, the, it's all uh, blocks, uh-huh. like in America, but they obviously they block it off, so then you, the roads are all restaurants, the restaurants outside. Nice. Uh, yeah, they actually filmed Marley and Me there, actually. So, right, uh, okay. Oh, I, I get the impression now. Yeah, that yeah, kind of... Um, that kind of uh, feeling, yeah. So... Uh, it's funny, isn't it, how it's, t- like, how it's happened? Because when I first met my wife uh, 14, 15 years ago and we were dating and stuff and as time went on, it was like, well, after what are we doing towards the back end? I, I think I could have continued and played here for another few years, right. but it was towards the back end of my Surrey contract. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the USA, the Major League, approached me and with an opportunity and they said, listen, this is here, here, here. And, and to think about 15 years ago, there was no cricket that I knew of there. Mm. And all of a sudden, I'm going across now. 
the, where they play the games is four miles from my house. The, the academy. Wow. Really? Four yeah. miles? Yeah, four miles. So I'm going to be... Morning out of bed. Yeah, crazy. Yeah. So it's, there was like, no one knows that area uh, for cricket. And then 30 miles away is going to be one of the academies where I'm coaching. And then you've got 70 miles is near Princeton, just offside the campus where I'm going to be coaching. And to think about if someone offered me that 15 years ago, I wouldn't believe that. It's, it's crazy. So what kind of uh, what kind of coach is uh, Liam Flinker? <laughs> Still working out myself. <laughs> As I was doing, I was on a, a coaching course today on a Classroom Online and stuff, right. and it's, yeah, what kind of coach are you? And I think it's... Do they ask that? I think, yeah, I think, well, what kind of coach? What's your philosophy? What, right. do you, what kind of coach do you want to be? I don't know, you want to take the good... From people, yeah. uh, from all the coaches you've been with, yeah. but also put your own twist on it. Yeah, very so, much so. I'm excited about it, so it's something I'm a novice at. I've done a little bit of it, but now I don't want to learn on the job because I'm a person, well, sorry, I do want to learn on the job. I'm also a person who, like, I love to read all the coaching side of stuff. Uh-huh. Especially Is that just to layer your Yeah, your, just your the knowledge, yeah, yeah. Got just it. all sorts and whatever, the NFL, uh, sort of the basketball coaches, and there's all the clips on uh, behind the scenes of on Amazon now isn't it with all the like the Manchester City and I just watched one actually is really good of I don't even know Philly's quite big in uh, ice hockey uh-huh. I've not really watched too many I've been to one game but there's one on the the Maple Leafs on Amazon now uh, behind the, what's it called with the watch is it all or nothing is, right. it all, is that what they call maybe I've forgotten it. yeah really good because it's during the pandemic right. so these guys are playing in front of an empty arena a bit like we did yeah and it's just how they go about stuff it's really cool so Everyone knows Liam Plunkett. Now, if you were to die tomorrow and start again, would cricket be your first go-to? Or if you were to reinvent yourself, you know, what are you going to go, right, what am I going to do? Is there there something that um, you would have wanted to do outside of cricket? I mean, I would have took the Elon Musk route. (laughs) No, I don't think so. It's such a family sport for me growing up. Right. So many good memories, so many fond memories. Uh, To go back to my mum and dad, very, the club I was at, Mass by the Sea, my mum did the tees, did the scoring, my sister played cricket, my dad played cricket. So yeah, it was amazing growing up to that. I love this. There's, there's definitely an arc here. I can a real sense of family mm-hmm. about what you're saying. Yeah, huge. You know, right? A real sense of community, and and I think that is relevant to kindness because I think kindness is community, kindness is family, kindness is the people you surround yourself with, and it, it seems to me that you've had that in bucket loads. Mm-hmm. It seems to have layered who you are as a person, and I wonder whether or not, given your experiences you'd be able to take that onto your next roles or do you think that's just part of who you are? In terms of taking on the kindness to the next yeah, role? Yeah, very much so. I yeah. think so. It's, that's me. I don't want to be a, a shitty person. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. I mean, everyone does things that people dislike and it's, that's how you learn and stuff. But yeah. yeah, I wouldn't like to think I'm, a, I'm not kind. Like, that's a good thing to be, right? That's a good yeah. character trait to have. And for me, as I said, it got sort of bred into me. Mm. I, I was born with very kind, generous family from grandparents to aunties and uncles and a big sort of family i think we had 20 odd cousins and all that kind of stuff so really yeah so it was, wow wow so what, what were christmases like yeah <laughs> so i think the boys were fighting in one room and the, the girls in the other room doing what they were doing and it was very good obviously two sets of grandparents yeah. three sets of grandparents sorry uh used to christmas two side and boxing day one and all the family would go along it was yeah great so what's typical christmas then is it very much about um sort of the christmas dinner the table everyone there 
Yeah, it was. I've not had... I've been obviously in America in the Christmas the last 13, 14 years, yeah. which is completely different, isn't it? Because Thanksgiving's their big turkey and yeah. stuff. And Christmas is amazing. I love Christmas in America. I loved it in England with my family. I love it in America as well. It's my mother-in-law's birthday, Christmas Day. So we do two separate things. You can't mix the wrapping paper. You can never do that. What do you mean? You can't wrap any birthday stuff for Christmas. <laughs> you, can't, you can't do that. It has to be two separate opening up. So it's completely different, isn't it? It's, uh, it's cool in different way. Well, the question that you know, we ask people is, if you were to die tomorrow, you know, what would you do differently to be the, the kindest in the room? Now, that be, can be quite formulaic, but effectively, it's about starting again. Uh-huh. But the reason why that sounds formulaic to me now is because you've given me a layer already of your background. It seems to be that there seems to be a real core level of, of kindness and affection around you, from your granddad to your dad and to your mum. Whereas if you'd have played this story of... Uh, I grew up and it was hard, it was tough, and it was really tough growing up. Then that would have framed an arc of, you know, kind of like in a film, like a character arc of almost like the origin story of how mm-hmm. that person that was broken turned around and became the superhero that they are. Whereas I think maybe you were a superhero already. Maybe that layering, like any good parent who reinforces to their child or their children that you can do it, you're the best, keep yeah. going, is there already. And that's the sense, which is why the question sounded very formulaic because yeah. you know when you ask someone okay if you were to die tomorrow what would you do differently to be the kindest in the room one would suggest that there was no kindness there before whereas getting a sense from talking to you it was there already in spades it was it was there already which is i think when you, i think obviously when you prep me a little bit uh, for this as well is i did think about that and I, sometimes you do go into a room and you're not always uh, sometimes you might avoid someone or not say thank you and please and stuff maybe because you've got issues going on at work or mm. with family and stuff and mm. I think sometimes it's so hard to be able to switch off when you go into a room mm. and not pass that on so for switch me off in terms of being, being yeah, grump, or, 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 grump, no, grumpy uh, or right. in a mood and stuff because I come in here now uh, just so we're not doing a podcast yeah. and I don't know you guys and whatever and I'm just cranky it puts people like in a bad mood anyway or if you were working here and I was just like yeah alright all right, cheers mate just give me a coffee or whatever do you know mm, what I mean it's yeah like, I do I think for me is sometimes can you you have your issues and stuff but can you pause that for a minute while you go in here and be like a decent person and mm. stuff and as I said it just because it's your bad day doesn't need to be someone else's bad day yeah totally yeah totally so what can people learn from you know obviously you've done the coaching thing and the interesting thing about coaching to coach a coach or to become a coach, you're learning to be this type of person, to almost put a sort of system in place mm-hmm. so you can become a coach. I think you're already there. I think you've got the, the framework of, of a good person. Yeah. Any, well, I don't know if you agree or not, but I think you've got the basis of, of a character trait that I think from a coaching perspective is there. Now, I don't know what the, the, the methodology or coaching mantra is about what to do in terms of how to be a good coach, but I think being a, a people person helps and I think you've got a sense of that yeah I think I'm I say lucky because I went through a period like a lot of people I went through like bad anxiety and panic attacks and stuff like that but I'm actually grateful for mine I had mine when I was struggling with England and stuff and on the outside I probably was going out a little bit too much and still training hard but then burning the candle and, and doing this I got anxiety real bad trying to get on a flight to from Newcastle to London, London, Philly, and I just had to get off the flight because really? I was so, soaking wet, anxiety and stuff like that. Uh, 
Anxious about what? I don't know. Well, that's the panic attacks the right. first time I ever experienced that. So I went through that whole period of wow. going through that. So I guess that sort of built you up as a character as well. Right. So when you say a people person, I felt like it took me a long term to get to back to that. Because uh-huh. I, I was a youngster, like out and about and could have done this fine. Then it went to a period where I'd get so much anxiety about meeting one-on-one or in a team environment and I wouldn't get it in a stadium full of people. I could walk on that and not feel anything. So, so like, it was the one-to-ones that made you anxious. Yeah. Yeah. Crowds of hundreds of thousands of people, you're like... I'm yeah. on. And I think that was looking back now, it's like because when I was got dropped from England, I was in and out of the, the Durham setup and they were doing well. As I'd played, we won leagues and stuff, but I was inconsistent. So in the back of your mind is like, is my career ending? Probably going out a little bit too ah, much. I see. I've okay. got a long distance relationship. Got it. Like mum and dad were sick a little bit. Mm. So like I'm gonna all of a sudden yeah, something mm. hits you. Uh, but I guess I am fortunate for that, as I said, because when I did uh sort of started like uh, doing sort of not therapy and stuff I did speak to people sports mm. psychologists mm. and I'm open about that I'm mm. fine with that mm. and they did meditation stuff like the Headspace app and mm. all that good mm. stuff mm. I sort of learned more about myself in that time and then cricket just the fact I'm focusing on cricket took that away so I think that whole period of being through that will help me coaching got it yeah, yeah definitely that, that I was trying long winded get back to that point but what you're saying I think all that stuff will help me be a better coach without a doubt yeah without a doubt and I think failure this is just my own world view and I've said this before I personally believe wholeheartedly that failure is a good thing yeah I think if you can fail 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 if my kids don't do something and they fail I'm like you know what brilliant fail because it, it layers you there's a guy called him. You should definitely have a look at him. Um, there's a guy called David Goggins. Have you heard of this guy? Yeah, I've actually. Oh, you know what? Tell us what you've met him. No, nearly. Wow. I'll tell you what. So I was massive. Like I think I came across some Joe Rogan podcast, yeah. and then he was obviously what he did. He's read his book, yeah. and audio book, when I was in Melbourne when yeah. I was going out walking and running, and then so we have friends who live have got a beach house I sound like a rich friend but it's not <laughs> my friends actually, in the states they yeah. do really well so I'm just saying so uh, they're very fortunate we go down stay down there sure. and it's on like on, on a dock like the beach is like Ooh. over one side Ooh. and then I remember getting up I was doing like some workouts some skipping or something and he, and he ran past like the uh, the road and I was like that's David Goggins and what it is it's uh, it's called Seven Mile Island I think uh, okay so you're just going yeah, yeah. The guy was an absolute animal. I knew it was him because he had his shirt off, right. just like trunging along. Yeah, and I was like, yeah. for those of you who don't know who, uh, who David Goggins is, he's um, and excuse if I don't um, reference this correctly, but um, uh, an American Army um, soldier or um, no, it's a, it's the SEALs, isn't it? That's right, SEALs, it's, yeah. it's the Army SEALs. And the backstory to a book he wrote called "Can't Hurt Me" is just absolutely phenomenal. Like you, Liam, I, I read it and I was just like. But no excuses. <laughs> I, I, I can't pretend like, oh, it's so tough. Because this guy, David, and David, if you're listening, please uh, shout, <laughs> shout us out. We'd love to have you on the show. He is, without a doubt, one of those people who will hear your excuses. And there's nothing wrong with saying you're tired or you're upset. He'll, he'll acknowledge that. But he'll say, okay, keep going. Yeah, just crack on with it. Yeah, get on with it. Get on with it. And, and that's the bit about the kind of the failure bit I was talking about is that we all fail, but in today's society, I think maybe it's the world we live in with social media. When you fail, I think a lot of people now are like, oh, well, that's me done. And they give up quite easily. I don't know yeah. what your view is, but I think a lot of people give up too easy. 
It'd be boring, wouldn't it, if everything was so easy and successful? It'd get tiring, wouldn't it, if people being like, oh, we won this, we won this, we yeah. won this, we won this. Yeah. Well, how did you get to that point? And then yeah. we just turned up and played. It's like, well, how did, yeah, with you getting beat in a certain situation or mm. you having a, a bad couple of months at work, mm. well, how did you get back to mm. being the best you can be at work? As I said, it doesn't have to be sports, yeah. but I guess that's all I know pretty much. So, yeah, fail, failing's massive, mate. Think of all the times so what's I've the biggest failed. failure you've, you've ever had? Uh, in terms of... I don't know, it could be... It in could sport, be, yeah. I mean, we got beat in a World Cup final in India against uh-huh. West Indies in front of like 110,000 people. Wow. And uh, But that failure then, obviously, it was a different format, that was T20, uh-huh. but it was the same sort of bunch of people, bunch of guys who then went on to win the World Cup 2019. Right. And it was quite, it was sweeter. It so was, that moment where you've lost and you know the eyes of the world looking on you, you're a successful guy, are you like, let's go again, let's go again, yeah, or is it like, oh, it hurts, okay, next, what's your... 100%, you, like, obviously you want to win, but you're getting beat by a team that's successful as well. Right, okay. I mean, to get to a World Cup final, it's hard to, uh, to get to that point, and it wasn't like it was just uh, a team who just came hot for that World mm. Cup, it was mm-hmm. West Indies who were very successful, some very good players in that team. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it was, yeah, it was... I don't know. You got beat, and it was disappointing. You were you're upset about it and stuff like that. But all right, well, let's go again. And it was obviously we had a another sort of event a couple of years later, ICC Trophy, which was uh, a 50 over comp, not a World Cup, but it's a big trophy. We got beat, I think, in the quarters in that. And then we just kept on going. How do we get better? There was nothing. Who says that? Is that sort of the, the team and the management that says? Collectively, how do we get better? Or is it all the, you know, there's always a leader in the pack. Uh-huh. I think everyone in that right, team, okay. everyone in that team, we, we were on this journey where it's like, people are like an excellent, but they still turn up and get better. Right. Uh, obviously like Stokesy, Ben Stokes is obviously well known mm. and successful. People like himself and other guys in field and practice, they're right. Well, this practice, I'm just going to catch one handed every single thing. Do you know what I mean? In like the balls right. are flying, it's like, oh, I'm just going to practice this, I'm just going to practice that. And we had the freedom to do that by the coaches and the captain. Right, oh, okay. You, you do you. Got it. Yeah. So do you think that that. Um, I watch sport, um, I don't follow a particular team, but I wonder when I look at the successful teams, and there's a recent study, um, there's a lady called Mel Robbins who's just written a book called, I think it's called The High Five. Something along those lines. Um, in terms yeah, I think of she was on. Uh, I listened to her on a podcast actually. Was she? Yeah. Uh, is it the High Performance Podcast? That's right. Yeah. Yeah, she was on that. Yeah. And um, she talks about a study whereby two teams, when shown, not not shown, when um, when given two tasks, the team that were given the high five, fought, outperformed the team that didn't, or the team that um, fist bumped and high five and said we can do it. And it was that physical element of just touching. A high five gave them that emotive, collective, successful mindset that drives successful teams. And I wonder, do you think success is all about that? Is, is it unity? Is it uniformity? Or is it those individuals in the team that say, come on, we can do it? Different teams, I guess. Different right. teams have different ways about it. In, in the teams that have been successful, uh, there's been a lot of that. Uh, a lot of experience and then a lot of the guys put an arm around you if you're doing well if you're not doing so well so who are you in the team are you the kind of quiet guy at the back or it's you... changed which has okay. been amazing and people say that to you but in a blink of an eye you're the oldest person in the, in the dressing room <laughs> but I feel like you change right Right. Okay. so grew up as a youngster I had people to look up to people who well travelled played a lot of good cricket uh, guys from Australia South Africa West Indies and good role models to be honest uh-huh. and you take a little bit from each one I don't want to be that person. I, I, I don't want to be 
yeah someone else right you just want to take these best best little bits got it and uh it's very you take like the on-pitch stuff but also the other stuff like it's very family orientated i'd love to be like that kind of person mm-hmm. his family's first but on the pitch well actually he's he's not as good as trainer as him i'd love to be i want to take that from him that from got him it. he practices more than everyone i'll take that from him and, and, you, and you learn a bit like how you're going to be a coach you do that with them yes too. yeah i feel like at that point i didn't that coach was not that great at communicating with me I felt like I was on eggshells the whole time. Right, I see. I feel like you can't really be like that anymore. I feel like it's more, especially with the the way the world we live in now is that, that mental health side of things is right out there, isn't it? Yeah. So you've got to be you got to be careful with your words, and which which is fine because it's just the way we are now. Not too careful because I think there's times where things need to be said, and as an owner, as a manager, as a coach, as an entrepreneur, as a businessman, as a husband, as a wife, etc. Sometimes you have to hear the shit. You have to hear the bad stuff because if you're constantly being told you're fantastic, and there's nothing wrong with praise, but as a coach, like you say, you're going to your next chapter. Sometimes you have to call it. Yeah, think about. Do you know what the, the guys I played with who had a great game and said, "Oh, you're amazing, fantastic." Like, all right, sweet, and let's move on to the next thing. Right. They're like, "All right, yeah, cheers, right. Thanks, thanks a lot." Yeah, I'm that just, didn't mean anything to you. They're like, "All right, yeah, I got, mm. I smashed a hundred, I broke a record there, but yeah, I'll just try and go do something again." So, what is it then that that you like? Do you like the ah, that wasn't quite right? Do you like wanting to work on the thing that you know wasn't good? I don't know. I like. I was a person. I used to call uh, the ballers the ants because, like, you go, you turn up, and you feel like you're doing the grunt work. <laughs> So it was like some of the guys get the glory and stuff, which is fine. Like I want someone to go and smack a hundred off 30 balls. So that's the batsmen were the, the kind yeah, of glory yeah, boys. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. right. And I was like myself and uh, Chris Walks. Uh, who else is in that? There's a few of us like, oh, let's just go to work. That's just like, I don't need no like plaudits or nothing like that. If they come, amazing. But like, just get our head down. Got let's it. just like run into the wind and, and do this job for the team. Got it. I, that, I like that. I like that side of stuff. So okay. in, in the environment, I felt like I was... I'd be someone who was quite positive. I would say one-liners to make people smile, uh, just to have good banter. But when it came to work, I'd try and be the, the fittest in the team. I'm not saying I was, but I'd definitely try to be. I'd go out and just not complain about anything. I wouldn't complain. I'd just enjoy the process. If it didn't go well, it didn't go well. If it went really well, it went really well. I would just crack on. Like that. So would you say you're, um, it's very much a hero mentality. It's like, we can do this. Yeah, and... I think if you're on a team, I feel, and you, wherever you do, if you want the other person to be as good as they can be, and if they get the plaudit. Just here, for instance, if you work in a, my mum works in a uh, Sainsbury's, I get that right, Sainsbury's, not Tesco's. She works in Sainsbury's, and the way my mum is, like, just say they do employee of the week, I'm sure she'd be happy for the person next to her to get it and not her. And I guess that's the best teams work like that. Yeah. I want you to be better than, do you know what I mean? But I'm not going to stand out the way. Like, I'm going to challenge you all the way to the top. Okay. But if right. you get that, they're yeah, good for you. Right, I see. And that's the way that cricket team was. The teams I've been involved with, that's exactly how they were. Yeah. And I think a lot of successful teams and people are that way, that once it's, you know, it's game on, it's I will fight and work hard to win that game. Yeah. But if beaten by the better player or team, okay, well done. Yeah. No, really, really good. Really good. Now, I think... Um, I don't know about you. I'm just. Um, I was just looking at my notes. What you? Uh, well, what have you said? No, nothing. What did I say? No, I was just looking to make sure I was trying to. Well, no, it's not, it's hit not all the bullet points. You well, know? no, I think what's interesting <laughs> is that through this journey, this this kind of exploration, the idea behind it was: is there a pattern to kindness? I think there is. Well, what is it? Well, you touched on the fact that when you when you spoke to your wife and you might ask someone the question, "What is kindness?" 
Well, kindness to one person is completely different to somebody else. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's like, I, I wonder, I don't know. I, I, I really do believe that you, you can be kind and you can, you can teach kindness and don't do that. And, you know, I've got young children, so I'll tell them not to do something, uh, for example. But then are, you, are we just automating our kids? You know, we just teach them to do that thing because it's, it's the right thing to say. Yeah. Um, as opposed to what you touched on earlier on, which seems very altruistic, which is this kind of your parents being able to say, just, just doing that thing. And I think that's more important to just do it selflessly. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely. I wrote down a, a lot of my family, my dad's really uh, kind and stuff like that. But like the, I've got a couple of examples I was going to mention. Sure, sure. Uh, so there's a guy, Mark Saxby, who uh, is a team, the England team masseuse, who I've become very good friends with. He, he's still involved now and he's went on to a role where he's more than that. A lot of the guys will go to him with the problems and stuff and I'm not, like forgive me if you listen to this, like I'm not 100% sure what his title is now but mm. he, he on tour where Pakistan, India, South Africa, wherever he went, he would make every single person, like when you're checking into a hotel, whether you're an air stewardess, whether you're someone who's cleaning the dishes, mate, he would spend like so much time speaking to them. He would make them feel like the most important person in the room he's like yeah there's nothing like say and if some superstar was here and everyone was gravitated towards it mm. i don't know whoever you think the queen popped up or something yeah, right yeah. he would spend still he wouldn't move he'd still chat to the the person checking us in and then to, <clears throat> that that's amazing one of the things he, he in my life i guess he's been like <clears throat> that person to look up to like that how have so you known him so we both went on uh we both sort of got picked. I got picked as a player and he got picked as a masseuse. Uh, we went on a, the flight. We went to Pakistan together, 2005. Yeah. Oh, <coughs> Excuse yeah, me. Wow, wow. Yeah, so it's... Uh, so it's himself who, who, in terms of, like, the work and the cricket side of things. And then, obviously, my mum and Amelia are kind. Obviously, my mum and my wife are similar because my mum used to work in... or well, she still does, but used to work in a... Hagney's, it was called, like mm-hmm. a grocery store whatever mm-hmm. very American of me coming out now my wife wouldn't <laughs> grocery store and there was an old man who used to come in there who's obviously struggling my mum then obviously got his details and stuff and would drop his food off all the time go and check on him and that's like she's getting no reward for that right and same with my wife a very similar thing we have a neighbour who we didn't know too well and my wife will go out of the way to check in on her she introduced her happy hour she's like a 78 year old lady now she introduced her to happy hour which is obviously she's not heard of what is she, that? where you finish it's like an American thing is a happy hour where you go and have drinks after work uh, of course yeah, sorry, yeah, sorry. Yes, yeah, yeah. that's my Middlesbrough uh, language coming out on you mate but uh, so she introduced the, the neighbour to happy hour she'll uh-huh. go and she'll just go and invite her down and <clears throat> Heather will come down and watch my wife like paint something yes. but she's by herself in a house and she's getting nothing from that it's to make her day better because she's alone by herself sure so just like they're the three people there's loads of things my my dad's done and everything but just like three examples Mm. i thought i'd just sort of put in it's just selfless isn't it really just spending that time to make that person's day better so it's about giving time then seemingly that's time's the most important thing right yeah if you give someone time it's more than anything one of my heroes growing up was a guy called glenn mcgrath australian fastballer Played against him in a competition in Australia, and then it was a World Cup in the Caribbean. And I, I remember on the beach, he stopped me and chatted me for 10 minutes. That's 10 minutes of his time. Really? From our, yeah, from my role model. It was actually, sorry, we were, I was in the water. I was in the sea. 
dreadful. The Caribbean Sea is dreadful. And then he, <laughs> he popped up and he was like, all right, how are you doing? Like, it went, it was, obviously, you know this person, right? He's yeah. Like, you've looked up to him. An idol growing up, but then I just had a good series against him in Australia. Uh -huh. It was only a We went home for a couple of weeks and then everyone flew out, all the countries to the Caribbean, to the World Cup. And yeah, yeah for him to speak to me and say, actually, you're doing really well, mate. This is, uh, I, I don't know if you just said about you're going well, don't stress about this. It's good, good, good. But that's obviously hit home for you. And you're like, oh, that, that's amazing for someone to give time. Time's massive. So how old are you at this point? 21, 20, 21, maybe. So you're now of an age where people are going to be looking up to you. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, I guess so. In terms of as cricket, yeah. I've not played that much over the last year or so, but I guess, yeah, if I'm playing, people do look up to you. I guess your experience, you've been successful at what you do, what your role is. So it's always nice to have people look up to you. I was very fortunate, even though I was injured the last year, I didn't play much at all. I sort of did some coaching, mentoring with Surrey, with the, the second team guys, uh, the younger guys there, and also with the Welsh fire team, which was a new competition. I got injured, but they said, do you want to stay on and do the mentoring, coaching there? So you've done all that then? Yeah, I did that already. So okay. The mentor for me is, it's good, isn't it? Because you're not trying to change Re, re, uh, change the wheel so to speak and you're just having a chat with the guys and you're there for them if you want help I'm not trying to cloud anyone's vision especially in competition time you're yeah, just yeah. there for alright well yeah, what about this what about that they'll come to you I'm not trying to put it on you and does the mentoring allow you to um, tell them your opinion or does the mentoring give you a structure to allow you to give your opinion in a, in a framework I feel for me the best is to give options that's, I'm not telling no one to do anything. Right. So I can say, well, actually, this happened when I did this, but we're also different. So maybe this option, what do you think about this option? Do you not like that? Or, well, don't do that. You don't have to listen to. It's not written in, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah, well, here's a few options. What do you think? All right, look, I can help you with that. Or not. So Liam, fantastic. I, I, I think, again, just listening to you, I think you're fantastic, mate. Huh. I, th I think um, just listening to you about what you say, I think you're going to be a fantastic coach. I think you're going to do... Obviously, you know, you're married to so Amelia. You've got a good one there. Uh, and definitely shout out to your parents because it, it's seemingly a pattern of kindness that's come early doors, yeah. you know, from your granddad and your dad and your mum and everything that you've gone through. And obviously, if you move on to your, ne your next chapter in, in the States, I think you will bring a level of calmness, uh, a level of authority and a level of professionalism and a level of respect uh, I think a lot of people particularly within sport perhaps don't have and not knowing the sport that you're in very well I think what you will bring to your next role will be that ability to just converse with a lot of people and maybe that's come from your view of the world through your parents eyes through your wife's eyes through your sporting eyes so that you can almost give people your time which is what you touched on before uh, and, and that leads me to kind of one of the, the final question, really. And it's about what kind of, what final or what one piece of advice would you give somebody listening to live a kinder life? I know you've touched on lots. Yeah. I, as I said, I guess I wrote something down. So mm. it sounds like I am reading. I am actually reading up. Please before. do, no, yeah. So I guess uh, I people come from different backgrounds and different environments. Some people with lots of opportunities and some with little opportunities. Some people from poverty and some people from royalty. Don't judge a book by its cover and give everyone a chance. Also be willing to get to know someone and learn about them and treat them how you want to be treated, with kindness. Love that. I absolutely love that. Liam, 
With that being said, you have been the kindest in the room, pal. It's been an absolute pleasure. Uh, no. Thank you for, uh, for this. I no, it's, it's, it's been a pleasure, mate. And as you said, it's something you've just started. And I feel yeah. like that's all we need, mate. It's nice to have this approach. There's a lot of, I'll say there's a lot of shit going on mm. around the world. And people, as I said, on the phones, including myself, and sometimes skip by without being kind. Or, mm. as I, you know, you've heard stories where people have, I know it's quite far-fetched, but people have said hi to someone. I'll give someone five seconds and it stopped them doing something stupid. Yeah. And we know that exists. So. Yeah, totally. Yeah, without a doubt, without a doubt. Liam, where can people um, sort of reach out to you, um, either on social media or otherwise? Where can people um, sort of uh, get in contact with you? Uh, what my social media? I've got my social media, which is, I think you can just find Liam Plunkett. Yeah. Uh, it's Pudsey190. Sure. Uh, my Twitter is Liam628. And I tell you what, if there's uh, ever going to be a book about you, I think it's going to be an absolute bestseller. Oh. I, I really do, and um, you know, I'd be, I'll certainly be the first to read it. Again, Liam, you've been, uh, you have been the kindest in the room. Thanks, buddy, for uh, for uh, coming on. I really appreciate, no, I appreciate it. Appreciate. All right, best of luck in the states as well. Cheers. Thanks, Cheers, Liam. Guys. Take Thank care. You. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.